Thanks to our sponsor, Walker Digital, who have stepped in to help the Numbers Game podcast with their social media. Walker Digital are a digital marketing agency covering strategy, content, video, implementation, and education. The team at Walker have spread the word of our clients and love working with businesses doing good things helping them to grow and reach more people so they can scale and get larger. I know personally, the first thing I did when growing our business was to outsource social media, blogs and copywriting because I knew it was something that was not the best use of my time and the team at Walker Digital smashed it. Sometimes you need to walk before you can run. Find out more at their website, wlkr.digital. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. The conversations are of a general nature and do not qualify as financial or tax advice. We recommend before you make any financial decisions, you consult a licensed professional. Individuals on the podcast may hold positions in the companies discussed. Welcome to episode 28 of The Numbers Game. I'm Jason and I'm here with Nick and Marty. How are we going today, guys? Jace, I'm going fantastic. I have bought a head razor. I've cut my own hair. I've had some help from my wife, my partner, so she did a good job. So I'm feeling fresh, invigorated, ready to go. Nick, how am I looking? Mate, sensational. I've been telling you that all week. Uh, almost to the point where I'm going to risk it and come out to Yarra Valley for a haircut, but you still haven't got back to me with the cost yet, so... 40 bucks, 40 bucks. <laughs> nice clean shave, army cut. Yeah, you look sensational anyway, mate. You know that. I just keep on making mine flatter. It's getting longer, but I just put more product and make it flatter and put the headphones on and away we go. There you go, Jase. Mate, very, very good. And um, I'm excited about today's episode. We'll be talking all things social media. And just before we kick into the next segment, I um, want to welcome Victoria Walker from Walker Digital. You may have heard ads uh, pre this show talking about Victoria's business. And um, we're very excited to have her on the show. Hi, guys. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, just to let you know, Nick, I don't know if Cheltenham's any closer to where you are, but I've absolutely perfected the haircut, including the fade, and I charge $35. Ooh. Oh, the I'll do it for 30, Nick. I'll do it for 30. <laughs> I'm not ooing about the, the distance either. I'm just thinking about the price. 25. 18. <laughs> what if you bring your own scissors? No, I need, I need a very specific no? pair of scissors. It's part of the process. I'm out. I can't compete, Victoria. Okay, uh, Nick and Marty, what do you got on today's show, guys? For me today, I'm going to be talking about the digital barbecue that is social media. That's why I'm so excited that Victoria's here to ha have an actual expert on the show around this is tremendous. And also talking about why residential property is such a strong asset in the Australian economy as well. Nick, what have you got for us? Uh, I'm going to talk about my newest love, which is a, um, a platform called Canva and social media content and being consistent with that content or your posting. Let's play. Reading the play, it's uh, where we talk about what's going on in the industry, interesting topics, facts, news, some things that have caught our eye and the advice that you need to hear. And uh, first up, Marty, you caught my attention in the warm-up. You've talked about property. Property is always hot and uh, right on the, our minds in what we do. So fill us in, mate. What caught your eye and what's happening in property? Well, first of all, I'm still getting over Nick using Canva. What a sensitive <laughs> new age guy. I'm, I'm more of a chop, so I, I haven't quite got there yet, but I, I love that he's using it. I'm going to talk about property today and why residential property is still such a strong asset in the uh, Australian economy. Um, and I looked at the value in property. We have $8.6 trillion worth of value in residential property. And there's only $1.9 trillion, 
sounds sounds like the small amount in debt against property. But effectively, that's a really important number because we are only 22% lent in mm. regards to the value. And if you look at it, there's 10.6 million dwellings in Australia. And if you average that out, it works out to about 180,000 per dwelling. Now, I know the median price in the capital cities are high. Um, I get that. But we've also got to look at that 33% of property owners don't have any debt at all. Mm. So when you look at it from that perspective, what the really important factor here is that we keep you know, businesses healthy and creating great incomes for people so income can rise. But you know how there's all this Armageddon talk around mm. property and what goes up must come down, which yeah, can happen, can happen. But mm. I want to give people some comfort because when you look at that debt-to-value ratio in any in any layman's term, that that's a very safe investment. So just to give people some comfort that we are not going to fall off a cliff in uh, in any time soon, hopefully never. Uh, pretty good bet. And we're not selling derivatives like in the US off property and creating all these vehicles to over leverage. We're we're pretty stock standard, and um, I think we can feel safe and happy with that. Uh, if, if you don't understand the derivatives part, watch the Margot Robbie scene of The Big Short. Um, that'll definitely help you to understand uh, a few things there but that actually really surprised me marty the the value uh, of the properties compared to debt i kind of always had that expectation that these days you know it's getting harder and harder to buy a home and everyone's getting the bank of mum and dad to help them get enough equity um, or a deposit together to then buy the home um, but yeah, I suppose nobody really thought about the, the total amount of people who have paid off their homes, the generational wealth that exists out there that's been handed around. And um, I guess the, yeah, just surprised. Good numbers. I like it. It's in context. Mm. Like you say, you look at capital cities at you know, 664,000 mortgage average in, in Melbourne. You know, that is high. So incomes need to go up in those areas. Mm. But that's how we can keep the market safe is creating great businesses that provide great jobs, high income levels. Uh, but when you look at it from that debt to uh, equity ratio there, it's still a very, very good investment. And I know Nick's talked about that a lot over the journey as well. Nick, what have you got for us? I'm going to talk about Canva. So for anyone that doesn't know Canva or what Canva is, and I'll just I'll just admit that I, I do use it and I've used it twice <laughs> and it takes me a bit. And, but I still I'm love proud it. Of you. And it, ta- I'm proud of it you. takes me three times as long as it should. <laughs> Um, to put something together, but the end product, Marty. You, How proud are you? How proud are you when you get that end product out? Extremely, though? <laughs> extremely, and straight to Marty and straight to Jordan and say, "Hey, check this out. Look what I just did today." And, and it's like a cat bringing a bird into the house <laughs> to its owner. It's going, "Look what I've created. Look what I've done." It's uh, very, yeah. it's lovely to watch. Um, <laughs> so, for those that don't know, um, Canvas an Australian-born. Um, design platform. Uh, the founder is a girl named, uh, named Melanie Perkins and it's now a $40 billion um, dollar company and I guess it's seen as a tech company. So I guess um, when I say the design platform, it's to help you design reports, presentations, um, social media content if that's what you want to do. And I guess what it does is it it probably takes takes away the role of a professional, not not 100%, but if you're if you're trying to get some stuff out there yourself from a social media um, point of view, or in my case, put a presentation together that looks looks half decent, it's it's really good. And you get to the end, and it almost looks like a professional did it. Now I'm sure a professional could do it a lot better, but um, 
definitely better than what we'd been producing in our business. So why I brought it up today is because they've just they've just launched a um, they've just launched video templates which they haven't before. So why is this why is this good? Well, video is definitely the way of the future, and Vic will probably chime in here. But from our point of view, even when we're doing our social media posts, myself and Marty, in our business, we just get far more in, um, far more interaction when we when when we do videos. So. And it's but video is something that I don't really know how to edit that. I don't know how to make it good. It's really just me with my camera on the on on the phone or on the laptop, and away we go. So I haven't had a look at it yet, but I can only and again Vic might have seen it, and I can only assume it's going to make videos easier um, to make look professional. And particularly if you're out there doing social media content and you don't have enough money or you don't have the budget to pay for a professional. Um, a couple of things I, I noted down here, 84% of people say they have been convinced to buy a product after watching a video online or on social media. 84%. 84%. Wow. I'm definitely one of those. Um, these are, these are some of Canva's words. I'm just going to read this out because what, this is a Canva statement. Uh, video is increasingly important in the workplace and online, but traditional tools have been difficult, expensive, or limited for most to use. Almost everyone creates visual content in today's world, and we've reimagined video creation and editing to meet this reality. So speaking from experience, for me as a business owner, um, we don't have a full-time marketing resource in our business, and it's been unbelievable. Um, just internal presentations, really easy to put them together, together, and the end product is just something I could never create on my own. So if you're a business owner, check it out. Um, and Vic, maybe you can chime in here because you've probably had some experience with it. Yeah, I can certainly vouch for Canva. We're big fans over here too. Um, it's certainly something that people in the industry use as well. Um, we do a mix of Canva content and then stuff that we want, I guess, a little bit more specifically on brand or polished or complex. We would always use a graphic designer. A really nice in-between as well for some people, if you have a small budget, is to actually get a graphic designer to log into your Canva and create templates for you. And then you can use those for social cool. media and presentations and everything that you've just mentioned there, Nick. Um, I'm yeah. sure video is something we'll probably delve into a little bit more, but um, just some more stats for you to kind of add to what you've already said. Um, one minute of video is worth about 1.8 million words. Um, wow. Seems wow. like a lot and it is. Um, but How'd they work that look, out? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, to start, we've been reeling off for a while because as Jace can attest to, video is something we bang on about to every client mm. nearly more than anything else. Um, and this is exactly why it's significantly more engaging. And I think the 1.8 million words, obviously in terms of what we can communicate in the same period of time, written versus written and reading versus watching a video um, is, is much more. It's much faster to consume. But you can also convey things like tone and expression and really give your audience a good sense of who you are as a person. And people relate to people. They don't relate to a blog post. Um, and, you know, that's one of many, many reasons why you always get a much higher return on investment for video content than you would, say, a static image mm. post. Mm. Yeah. No, spot on. Yep. Very good. And I think the I think the main thing is with video, uh, just from personal experience, well, the, the first issue is just ha particularly if you're putting it up of yourself. Um, a lot of people don't, don't want to go mm -hmm. 
go down that path, um, whether they're shy or embarrassed. But once you do it, you just keep doing it. Um, you only got to do it once. But I think the other thing is, yeah, just the complexities, the complexities of it. So if Canva, Canva can plug that gap, then yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Absolutely. We might see. And then we've seen heaps more video content that looks a lot better. And we've seen the rise of mm. TikTok for exactly this reason. Excellent. 100%. Maybe we'll save the TikTok conversation for later. I reckon we can almost get Marty to start his own TikTok. And, uh, I'm getting excited. Guys, I've Chase, got uh, to round out reading the play, uh, one that probably caught everyone's eye because they had no choice, uh, but it was the major Facebook outage the other day. Um, don't know about you guys, but I woke up that morning. I went to check a message from the guys and um, there's this group that we're in. There's usually several WhatsApp messages that you can wake up to each day because I go to bed earlier than everyone else. So I miss out on a lot of the messages and I didn't have met very many messages overnight. And so I went to Instagram to see, you know, if, if I was missing something else, nothing going on there and then logged into Facebook and nothing was happening. So I know my whole world kind of felt like it fell apart and I felt like I needed a new morning routine because I don't think that's very healthy for me to get straight into all that, you know, mind numbing stuff, but it went down six hours and equivalent well, six hours happens to relate to the $6 billion that was wiped off uh, Zuckerberg's share value in that time. So bit of stuff that I read about that, WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, all went out in the global outage. Some stuff that I found interesting, um, you know, the why did it go out was basically a configuration change and like something in the network didn't line up. That's boring stuff, but it's all about the numbers. Uh, beyond the numbers though, the employees were actually locked out of their office. So the system, Facebook runs its whole business on Facebook, basically. They've got their own workplace software on Facebook, their access to their meeting rooms, their access to the building. It's all like digital key cards on the Facebook system. So people couldn't even get into the office. Um, so thinking about, you know, running a business and having risk mitigation, um, probably a few uh, meetings going on in the background at Facebook this week, figuring out how do we make sure that uh, we can run the business in the event this happens again. Um, Add revenue for Facebook for the hours that it was down. So thinking about business owners running their business and how there's a lot of ad spend and Victoria will probably have comments on the importance of boosting and spending some budget to make sure that your posts are seen. For every hour that Facebook was down, they lost 550,000 US dollars in ad revenue. And then on top of that, the estimate of the, the effect on the global economy. So think about all the businesses that couldn't have purchases done through Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram at the time. The effect on the global economy was $160 billion in lost revenue and lost um, effect on the global economy. Like those numbers are staggering to think that, you know, as a society, we're so reliant on the one business. Um, and an example that I read that, you know, just taking it right down to the basic, basic level was um, a guy running a restaurant in New York. Um, he runs a Facebook ordering system. So people order from his restaurant on Facebook and he uses WhatsApp to communicate for the delivery. So for six hours, his restaurant was stuffed. He couldn't fulfill an order and he couldn't deliver deliveries and he sat there making no money. So to put yeah, that in perspective that. as well, about 75% of Australians do their shopping online now. And I'm sure that that number has increased even further as, you know, we, we uh, tally up the lockdowns. Um, but that doesn't 100%. surprise me at all. In fact, I'm actually surprised that ad revenue lost wasn't more than 550. I thought it would have been more. Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for like 5 billion or mm, something. Agreed. Well, cause they, they probably still took people's money during that six hours. So I don't know. <laughs> It's incredible, isn't it? Like you think you know, we're in lockdown, 
to, to feel like we're actually even more lonely because we're not getting contacted by friends that aren't really friends. What a horrible <laughs> situation. I would have thought uh, I would have thought productivity might have gone up in the yeah. workplace because people weren't checking Facebook. But it's amazing how that digital economy is so big. And I, I remember going back to, I think it was around about 2000, where customers did not want to take up internet banking because they were so worried about being online mm. and doing any form of money transaction. So to hear 75% of purchases happening mm. digitally, that is enormous and a massive changing of the guard just there. Incredible. Another interesting point on that, guys, is that Australians are really, really picky. Um, we're kind of hard to get as consumers. So essentially businesses have to work pretty hard to grab our attention than to actually convert a mm. sale. Um, so Australian consumers need on average about 11 touch points um, digitally mm. before they'll actually make a purchase decision. So that could be receiving an email, um, seeing an ad, liking one of your posts, watching an Instagram story. 11 is quite a lot, um, but it mm. also, I guess, um, backs up our stance, which is um, multi-channel approach is an absolute must-have. Um, but also it all comes back to a strategy, which we can certainly delve more into. But keeping that in mind, 11 touch points, I think is a really good one um, for clients to mm. have that perspective and to understand that running a campaign and showing your ad once to an Australian consumer is just not enough and it's not a, not going to convert a sale for you, you know, most mm. of the time. Out of curiosity, uh, Victoria, how was the uh, Walker Digital office uh, or virtual office on that morning when Facebook and Instagram were down? You guys just kind of took the morning off, went for a walk, uh, had a long coffee break. There was no panicking. No, I knew it was going to be back. I was like, perfect. Literally go for a walk, have a relax. No clients even noticed. Or if they did notice, they didn't message us. It was happy days over here. I couldn't message yeah, you. True. I, I only know how to contact you on WhatsApp. So no, What's a phone call? I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Um, probably a good segue, awesome. guys. I've, I know you like your numbers. Um, so I've got a few stats for you here that I might run through. Beautiful. So in Australia, we've got 18 million active social media users. And one in every three minutes online is spent on social media. That is a lot, considering that we're working mm. at home and most of us do nearly all of our work on computers. Did you just say one in every three minutes? Yep. So that's including your yeah, work day. Yeah. <laughs> Not Disturbing for employers. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah. so in terms of popularity of platforms, Facebook is still the front runner with 16 million users. Then there's YouTube with 15 million, Instagram with nine, WhatsApp with seven, um, and then we'll go down the list a little bit to LinkedIn, which has 5.5 million, and Twitter, which has 5.3 million. That's Australian. Yep. Um, wow. But having said that, TikTok is by far the fastest growing social media app in the world and definitely in Australia. Um, the latest data I could find was for February this year. They had 1.1 million Australian users, but I have no doubt that's probably quadrupled by now, if not more. Mm. Um, and fun fact, it was actually the second most downloaded app outside of Zoom this year and globally was wow. the, most, the, the number one most downloaded app globally last year. So those numbers are just absolutely what, wild. What's the appeal? What's the appeal, Victoria? Because I, I mean, I know I look at TikTok for entertainment, whereas other socials tend to be more for mm. work. But that's my outlet where you just see 
crazy stuff. That's it's it's a bit of light I relief. Think, yeah, to answer that question, you just need to download the app because it's truly it just sucks you in, and an hour goes by and you don't even realize. And a couple of main reasons for that. Firstly, they have nailed the algorithm. So if you download the app, spend you know say half an hour on it engaging, liking, watching the things that you actually enjoy. The algorithm is so specific and spot on that you'll just find when you open that app, every single video is up your alley. Either your sense of humor, something you're interested in, something to do with your work, and it sucks you in that way, which is extremely smart. The other point is that we have super, super short attention spans now and they're only getting shorter. So that, you know... Uh, I think the minimum off the top of my head is 15 seconds in length. So 15 seconds to three minutes is really ideal for that. Um, we can consume so much content within that hour. Uh, actually, the average time spent on the app is 26 minutes per session. But again, I think that's probably much higher now. Um, so yeah, just the the ease of consuming it, Marty, and how spot on they are with um, knowing what you want to see. Well, that, that, that algorithm is right because I watched one lion attacking a zebra. Now all I get is animals attacking yeah. each other. And it's like, what's going on here? It's exactly <laughs> right. It really... But, it, but it, it's very specific. Very specific and very responsive. So if you want to change what you're seeing, you should actively go and seek videos that you want to see in your For yep. You page is what they call mm. it, like your homepage. Um, and then suddenly you'll start seeing those. So it's really responsive and really accurate. Mm. Oh, well, I think mine's broken because all I get is cat content and clearly I don't like cats. I mean, I pretend that I hate the cat, but yeah, okay. Maybe it's got me all figured out. I don't have it and I think I'm going to stay away based on hearing that. <laughs> it's addictive. There's no uh, doubt about it. Is, is there something in regards to Victoria, like the, the algorithm? Someone mentioned that if you, if you watch the video, the algorithm will figure that out and actually expand that through the network so your reach is a lot higher i don't know if that's true or not but it's basically if you're watching it spending time on it and you let's say you do a video and people are watching your video uh for a longer period that'll actually bump it up the algorithm to more people so it's based on not interaction based on time on watching your content is that is there any truth absolutely to that? yeah and you'll see a lot of tiktok influencers will actually talk about their views um because your views will always be significantly higher than your likes so as as you guys all probably know i'm sure you do this yourselves sometimes you'll think to yourself, oh, I like that piece of content or you'll watch it, but you won't actually physically like it. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's why views are spoken about a lot, but absolutely the algorithm very much takes that into account. The longer you watch it, the more interested you are. Um, and then it just essentially says, okay, these people are watching the video in full or a majority of them are. It must be good content. We'll show it to more. Yeah, I don't think Brilliant. I like anything. I just watch it and move on. Exactly. So, and not, not, not on purpose. Yeah. Um, I just don't think to. So, yep, and it's actually the same really across social media platforms in general. So, um, I'm sure everyone has noticed, or everyone with business accounts over the last few years have noticed that engagement, organic engagement, has significantly dropped. Um, and there's a few reasons mm. for that one of them being that the algorithms have become much, much harsher on Instagram and Facebook in particular. Um, but also because our behavior has changed, and um, a lot of us just simply don't actively like content we'll watch it or hmm. think about it or appreciate it or maybe even click through to the link um, but a lot of us don't actually physically like it so 
Again, something good to keep in mind if you're freaking out about your engagement levels on social media platforms. Quick question on TikTok while we're here. Mm. Are people using it for business now? And is that something that's that's growing? Because my uh, experience with TikTok is seeing stuff not directly on TikTok, but you know, people doing dances with their kids and <laughs> stuff. That's pretty much the limit of my knowledge with TikTok. So are people using it for business now? Absolutely. There's a huge amount of businesses yeah. on it, um, d- certainly in America. And it's growing very much in Australia now too. Um, I think the reason that it's not going even faster for business is because TikTok takes a lot of effort. Um, It's an app where it's a platform where you really have to follow trends and essentially respond to those trends. Um, So whether there might be a sound that's trending at the moment and um, there's some kind of theme that goes along with that. And then you have to essentially create one for your business that makes sense for the trend and for your business. So it's a very Mm -hmm. creative process, but it's also very responsive because what's trending this week won't necessarily be trending next week. Um, So it's something that takes time, a lot of creativity, and there's only so much or so far an agency um, can take you with that because at the end of the day, you guys tend to have to be the ones who are creating the content. Even if I say, all right, guys, this is the trend we're following. This is how we're going to make it applicable to innovate. And this is what I want you to do. You still have to be the ones filming it. And nine out of 10 mm. times, business owners either A, aren't, don't have the time to do that or B, don't buy into it enough to actually you know, warrant the time. Um, so yes, businesses are absolutely using it. It's going to continue growing. We can do advertising on it as well, um, mm. but it'll be interesting to see when that plateaus because I think it will get to the stage where the businesses who are going to adopt it have adopted it and the ones who just don't have the time or care um, won't jump on board. Leading that into Marty's favorite segment and uh, getting stuck into all of this social media talk has uh, me fired up, but uh, hopefully, Marty, you're fired up to talk about losing it. What have you got for us uh, so we can learn from other people's mistakes as we like to do? Well, when I was in the uh, coaching industry, which was a fascinating industry in itself, there were a lot of people on social media, but the one thing I always found coaches were ringing me on was going, how are you actually getting business? We've got these massive followings. We look like we're popular and people want our content, but we're wasting so much time in the area of socials and um, you know we're just not getting return on our money. And I saw that time and time again. And to me, it was just they didn't have any strategy on the back end that they were aiming for. They were just going wide with their content and hoping something hit. But, um, but that was very, very very common Victoria and I saw people lose a lot of time and money by just not having any form of strategy and I think that's where someone like your good self would come in to really directionalize as to what what's the reason you're doing it because otherwise it's a lot of time misspent have you seen that in the market Victoria oh time and time again people to be honest a lot of it comes down to common sense and People just, you know, often either don't have it or don't understand why, you know, a business that they find they think is obviously amazing, it's their baby, isn't really translating online and why those sales aren't coming in. And there are so many reasons that that can be the case. Um, You've just hit the nail on the head there, Marty, with the strategy piece. So any client that comes on board with us, doesn't matter where they are in their digital marketing journey, um, has to do a strategy piece with us. And this is exactly why. Um, it's also, I guess, taking it a step back even further and, um, you know, rather than just looking at 
digital marketing, so your content strategy, go back to the basics. Who are your audience and where are they? What platforms are they actually active on? Um, when we look at audiences mm. as well, we kind of dig further into just, you know, a lot of people will reel off demographics and that information is really important, especially if you're going to do um, paid advertising. But you need to really think deeper than that and go into what do your audience emotionally care about? What do they practically care about? Um, why and how do they make their purchasing decisions? What other social mm. media um, accounts would they be following? Um, so I think starting there is probably the most important piece of advice um, because a lot of a lot of people, for instance, will hear about TikTok and think, Ripper, still got a chance to get onto that and grow a really big following. I'm going to do that now. Um, that's great if you have a Gen Z and millennial target audience. If your target audience are 45-year-old blokes, what are you doing on TikTok? Hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm 49, thank you. I'm all over. I'm Mr. Mr. TikTok, Victoria. I'm an early adapter. What can I say? You're incredibly trendy, Marty, and I look forward to seeing your first thank video. You. Thank you, Victoria. It'll uh, be up tonight. I agree with the whole strategy piece. You know, having gone through Victoria's um, strategy content piece and having, like, I even, you know, I thought we were all over social media and that I had a good understanding of my target audience and what they wanted to hear. But it wasn't until we kind of reset that strategy, went through it together, that we could actually deep dive in who were we really targeting? Like, rather than like, putting something out on socials and just hoping that we kind of, it would stick somewhere. It was specifically speaking to a certain person, like that business owner that's too busy to reconcile their zero file. Like, okay, cool. We're talking to that, that, that guy or girl, they're busy. How do we take that pain point away? Let's talk to them about zero, making their life easy and, and how we can take that pain and time back and they can spend that with their family. Okay, cool. Now we're getting emotional. We've got the family card. We're giving back time to a business owner and it wasn't just talking about saving money or saving tax. So the different things that come with that strategy so that you don't go and burn your cash on trying to target a far and wide net. Mm, and that's certainly something we see a lot of too. People, the amount of times I say to a client and you, or I'm onboarding someone and I say, all right, tell me about your target audience. Who are they? And that their answer is everyone, everyone in Australia. Anyone, anyone with a dollar. That's my audience. <laughs> like, okay, well, here's the first problem. Mm. Um, it might be worth as well just quickly running you guys through what we actually include in a strategy just so that people can start getting their heads around what they need to think about and, and have a crack themselves even. Um, so audience is definitely the first port of call. Then we go through um, your competitors. So have a really thorough look through what they're doing online. What are they doing well? What are they doing poorly? Where are the opportunities for the taking? Have a look at some benchmark brands. So people that you aspire to be like and actually drill down into what are they doing? What is it about them that makes me absolutely love them online? Is their content incredible? Is their website user experience amazing? What is it about it that you love? And kind of have that nutted out so you've got specific points to aim for. Um, go through your key messages and your tone of voice. Again, it surprises me every day how many business owners um, couldn't tell me three key messages. So if I don't know anything about your business, what are the three things I need to know? And to be able to word that in one sentence, which, um, you know, to be fair, is a bit of an art, but even just having a rough idea mm -hmm. and then expanding on those key messages to really nut out what are the most important pieces of information I need to communicate and what am I about as a business? What do I stand for? 
Um, tone of voice. So you should have a consistent tone of voice across all of your communications, your website, emails you send out, social media, um, advertising campaigns. How do you actually want to sound to your audience? If, if your brand was a person, what's its personality? And then you can dig into the content. So what platforms should I be active on based off my target audience? What content do I need to create for those platforms? So we do it in content buckets. Um, makes it easy because then you know which buckets you need to fill every time you do a schedule. Um, and then you can look at things like blogs and email marketing, how they fit in with your strategy and how you might go about it. Um, and it just gives you a really great outline and almost like a, a marketing Bible really to look back to and reference every time you need to make a marketing decision. So for any business owner, they now have a clear plan on how not to lose it. I bloody love it. Yeah. Well, and Victoria, look, like I said, early adapter, right? I knew in 2013 with Facebook that, um, you know, you, you could get reach out of that out of that medium and even like clients putting up testimonials and, you know, and then friending their friends. And there was lots of interesting things, but even with video, um, I knew in those early raw days that by doing a video, most people don't have the courage to do videos mm -hmm. and that got amazing traction, but it was over three to six months. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't a, a one hit opportunity where you're getting opportunity straight away, but it did take time and it did take strategy. But now when I look at it, the, the medium's gone way past what I do, right? So it still has relevance in doing video consistently and you still get reach from it. But the quality of what is going on has gone to that next level yeah. at production stage. And that's why you have to think as a business too, you can get an impact by, you know, doing your one-on-ones and having your chats and everything like that. But really the quality of production's gone up so high, you've now got to take that next level to stand out. And that's what I've noticed over the past probably three to five years where you get massive reach but then you've got to keep evolving with the medium. Otherwise, you're dead in the water. And for the people that don't want to test it because they're going, oh, that's rubbish, that doesn't work. You just said 75% of purchases are happening digitally. So, I mean, if you slow to market, get onto it because you're going to be well and truly left behind. Mm -hmm. But that was, that, that's been my experience. But, yeah, and that's why we need people like yourself, Victoria, to take us to that next level of quality. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, hello at thenumbersgamepodcast.com.au. All right, let's roll into the one percenters. This is where we extract the gold, either in strategy or something we've experienced. There'll be no doubt social media today with Victoria. But um, what have you got for us, Nick, in regards to the one percenters to get us rolling? I guess we're trying to reach small business owners here and just some of the things that I've not so much learnt because first to admit I'm not that big on social media from a um, business point of view, but just what I've heard and I guess what I've seen in the um, few instances that I have used social media. So just want you to comment on these, but a couple of things that I wanted to pick up were just putting personal stuff up. So, you know, you consistently put up business stuff. Let's say you're a sole trader and you're putting up stuff about your business, your business, your business. Then the minute you put up something that's personal, even on LinkedIn, the minute you put up something that's personal, you get far more engagement on that. So um, what do you think about mixing up the business stuff with the personal stuff, but all on the same platform, all on the same page? Um, what's your thoughts on that? There's a couple of questions there. I guess on the sole trader front, um, I would be asking, okay, 
do you have plans for expansion or is it just going to be, are you the brand for the foreseeable future and is that what you're building? And if the answer is yes, then I don't think there's a problem in mixing the business and the personal. But if the answer is no, I want to expand and have a team and potentially pull myself away from the day-to-day runnings, then no, let's not link the business um, so tightly to your personal presence. I think that's a Mm. bit of a dangerous road to to go down. Um, Having said that, I do think there is a balance to strike though. So for instance, Future Advisory, we try and do a mix of, um, I guess, people-led content with the educational value-adding stuff. Because at the end of the day, as I mentioned before, people relate to people and they want to see faces and they want to get to know the people behind the brand. A really great example of this is website bios. The team page is nine out of 10 times the second most visited website page outside of your home page. And it's because people just want to know, all right, who would I be working with? And then when I scroll through that um, bio, is there something that stands out to me that I can relate to? So maybe Jason has two sons. He doesn't, but Jason has two (laughs) sons. I've got two sons. I also don't. Ripper, there's something to talk about. Or Greg is a huge basketball lover, I'm Jason's business partner. I'm a massive NBA fan. Perfect. So you're just finding those little points to connect on there. Mm. Um, but without taking it so far as really getting into personal life stuff on a business account. So you'd probably celebrate milestones, like maybe someone wants to share um, a wedding photo because they've just recently gotten married. Beautiful. Your community cares about that. Yeah. But kind of general life updates, no, yeah. keep it to your personal profiles. Good. I, yeah, that's that's awesome. And something else you touched on, which was great because it was another point I wanted to bring up, but educating and not selling. Mm-hmm. Um, we've noticed that as a business and everything that we do now is education, education, and then that results in sales. So Mm -hmm. to me, that seems obvious, but for some people, maybe it's not. Um, Absolutely. This is definitely um, another faux pas on social media. You really need to come back to one question whenever you're posting any kind of content. And that is, is this valuable to my target market? And it's not valuable if you're trying to sell something. Um, Social media is not about direct sales. It's very much indirect. It's about building up a rapport, building up an online relationship, um, gaining their trust, positioning yourself as a thought leader and giving them this super valuable content, whether that is educational, a lot of the time it will be, whether it's something really funny. So entertainment is of value as well. Um, And, you know, that really nice mix of content buckets I touched on earlier that's what's going to eventually either convert to a sale or mean that you're front of mind so that when a friend says, hey, do you know a good mortgage broker? I'm going to think, yeah, innovate actually because I'm in their Facebook group and they post really, really great stuff in that group that I get heaps out of. Mm, that's awesome. Myself, you, if someone's trying to sell to you straight away, you just move on. But if some, It's so cringeworthy. Yeah, you can work it out really quick. So Something actually interesting to touch on there too, guys, is that Um, Gen Z particularly, but also millennials are so attuned to this stuff now because we're digital natives, right? We've grown up, pretty much grown up with it. Um, Gen Zs make purchase decisions based off value alignments before they even consider the price. Mm. So that's how much they hate being sold to. It has nothing to do with it. They want to know who you are, what the business stands for, what your value, what your values are. And millennials are not quite as strong on that, but they're getting there um, and actually directly selling to those two mm. demographics can actually just get you an unfollow 
Mm. So that's that's how how strongly you need to wow. avoid doing it. Mm. Brilliant advice. And look, the last thing I wanted to bring up, and again, this is something where I think most people would fall down, including myself, but is the lack of consistency. And I think the reason it does is because we're all so busy and, you know, people will listen to this podcast and go, right, I'm going to post three times next week and I'm going to do it for the next six months and it's in my diary and it's definitely going to happen. And then you do it for the first week and then, oh shit, I got busy and it didn't happen. So just the importance of being consistent and then what I would encourage people to do is have a look at outsourcing it so you don't have Mm. to worry about it. Get a professional to do it and then it happens all the time if if you've got the budget. But yeah, how important is it to be consistent and not sporadic? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, It's incredibly important. So outside of valuable content, that's probably your next most important point to hit. it's very important on Facebook in particular because the algorithm is extremely picky. Um, and if you're creating really consistent content, it basically says to the platform, hey, I'm not here to mess around. I take this seriously. I'm an active mm. contributor. Um, show my content to more people. The other thing is it's, it's really about training your audience what to expect. So it's, I guess, provides a sense of um, unconscious calm or, mm. you know, we none of us want any more uncertainty in our lives at the moment, right? Like lockdown and corona is enough. So um, that's probably spiked this even more. But understanding, okay, I know what to expect from from this um, account. I know what to expect from Future Advisor and Innovate because they've kind of taught me what to expect because they're consistently posting from the same content buckets. Or Mm. on a Monday at 8 p.m., I know that they do a live video answering questions and I'm going to tune into that. Um, so yeah, it's literally about training your audience and giving them that sense of um, security and reliability. Hmm. Which is funny you say that the week that we didn't have a podcast go out on a Monday, we got messages going, guys, yeah. where was the podcast on Monday morning? Like what happened? Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. And then the, the other thing you mentioned earlier was the 11 touch points. And I'd heard a similar stat where it's it's 13 before a consumer um, or a possible client will trust you so mm-hmm. i guess seeing you consistently you become a recognized brand and it just sort of solidifies that you're actually a real business so for anyone that's out there listening what is classed as consistent if, if they are mm-hmm. going to go it alone what the what should they be aiming to do three a week mm-hmm. is there a certain time period they should be doing it from what i understand all this stuff matters but five a week one a day mm. so the first point to make there is it's about quality over quantity mm-hmm. so absolutely throw that concept out the window of I'm going to hit five times a week if you're posting absolute trash to meet that. (laughs) If you're going to post one really great video a week and you'll commit to that every week, great, just do that. Um, I think it's realistic for most people to be posting at least twice a week and um, probably relates to your other question as well, Nick. Scheduling would be one of my absolute top tips. If you don't have the resources to outsource digital marketing, then get yourself onto a scheduling app. We use Sked, S-K-E-D, and it means that you can pre-schedule all of your social media content and it gets posted out for you. Um, And then then you kind of have to dedicate, say, one day a month, pull together all of your content, get yourself sorted for the next four weeks, and then you don't have to think about it other than, you know, engaging with your posts throughout the week. It's job done. So that would be... Um, the most important thing to follow. But in terms of, yeah, amounts per week, I would just go back to, is this post high quality and is it really valuable? Yes, post it. And ideally you'd be posting 
between two to four times a week. And look, that's ballpark because it does very much um, depend on platform and also the industry that you're in. For instance, if you're a retailer, you're probably going to be posting more than that. Um, But for a professional service, as I said, if you're just producing one really great video every week and that's all you can commit to, great, stick with that. Awesome advice. Fantastic, Vic. And uh, you answered my question on quality over quantity, which which was a big one. But like I said, I find as I'm getting older, I've got the attention span of a goldfish. And now I'm uh, heading into YouTube and I, I'm validating what you're saying here is I actually have a look have a look at the sus- subscribers I'm following and I actually look for the timings each week that they put content out. And I've got 10, 15 minutes and I'm finding I'm doing that mm. in my areas of interest over watching Netflix and things like that because I just haven't got the time. So I'm very specific mm. in my content choice so so i could see where where that's an advantage the question i have relates to video um and let's say on linkedin is does does that go the same in regards to quality over time like is there a preferred time for that video to actually get watched effectively like do people lose interest after 21 seconds 30 seconds or if it's quality content they'll watch for five six minutes Mm. Um, just some parameters around that because some people i see do really short videos other people do longer videos and um and what's the reach of video compared to just general posting content really good question marty so firstly it does depend platform to platform so to use an example of linkedin um, it's not as important to have a really high quality shot video on LinkedIn as it is compared to say Instagram. Instagram is a purely visual content, a purely visual platform. Um, and so you want a really well lit um, video that has great audio, easy to watch and it aesthetically looks great. Um, LinkedIn, not as important because it's obviously a more professional B2B platform. So whilst you still want to aim to have um, videos as high quality as you can kind of produce, not getting in because in and not about that. And same for um, Facebook. So again, Facebook, there's you've got a bit more allowance there in terms of video quality. So something to keep in mind is that the number one reason people will click out of a video is actually not the visuals, it's the audio. So if mm. you get a really crisp, clear audio going on, then you're likely to hold the attention more. And then the next thing you think about is how it looks visually. So good lighting. And you can see right now I'm really well lit. It's because I'm sitting in front of a window and it's the same thing that I do recording any video. It's the easiest trick in the book. Whose dog is that? Sorry, it's my dog. That's brilliant. I think that's the first dog barking (laughs) interruption we had. I knew it was going to happen. Couldn't let it slide. Oh, I I didn't know if you could hear it. I'm like, do I mention it? Maybe not. Thanks, Jemima. I thought I'd I'd, I'd, I'd take take the stress away from you. Jason's Jason's cat's getting very nervous. (laughs) She she bolted. She's long gone. (laughs) Look, Vicky, your your, your lighting's brilliant, but you've got to work on your soundproofing. I know. Oh, my God. I need your help, Nick. I need this DHL person to go away, actually. (laughs) I see a blooper reel coming right up. (laughs) Um, So in terms of length, again, is this actually quality? Do I need to take more than a minute to fully explain a concept? Am I going to leave my audience with more questions in an annoying way, not in a way that's going to make them reach out, just in a way that, oh, that was quite incomplete? Um, 
the sweet spot tends to be around a minute max. Mm. Um, the yep. stat, I believe, is something around you've got about three seconds to, to really get atten- their attention. And if those first three seconds pass and it's boring, no one cares. It'll get you a scroll past. Yeah. Um, so focusing on making that opening of your video really, really strong. The advice we give to clients who are filming their own stuff is um, to do an intro that just very quickly summarizes what you're about to talk about. And it's the same premise as um, if you think about news articles online now, they always do those three dot points up the very top of the article, just summarizing the main things. And then if you're Mm -hmm. interested in that, you're going to read the article. If you're not, you'll just click out of it and move on to the next. Mm. It's exactly the same idea. So yeah, around that one minute mark is the sweet spot or shorter. But if you have something really important to say or really interesting or really valuable, then absolutely go longer. I would be really questioning though, if you hit the three minute mark, if you need to go longer than that, it might be in that might need to be a two parter or Mm. you can use it as a call to action. If you're really interested in hearing more, head to the blog where I've dived even further into this topic. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm glad Marty brought it up because I... Like even Marty and I were shooting some videos the other day and I think we agreed to keep them three to five minutes. They weren't for social media, they were for other uh, reasons, but I think eight to ten minutes is where they ended up. So mm, it can be long. very difficult to get everything out. And um, yeah, that's that's a constant problem that I've had. Mm. Mm, and that one's just about practice, getting your mm. words out really succinctly but still sounding engaging and then not sounding like a robot and not reading off, to, off a script. It is a real art and you just have to keep shooting and get get good at it. Well, Victoria, you mentioned something that leads into the couple of points I wanted to make um, and probably round this out. And look, I think we could talk about this over multiple episodes. It's super interesting topic and so relevant for business owners. You mentioned blogs. Um, blogging has been something that we've done together for many, many years. We've, I think we've probably worked together for what, six years now, Victoria? Maybe more. Perhaps even more, yeah. Yeah, maybe more. So, And one of the things we did at the start was, you know, our idea of well, where, where are our clients going to go to find us, to become a client, to sign up, and that was the website. And how do we get them to their website? It was quality content on the blog, articles we could share, things that could be searched for on SEO, for example. Um, I guess what I wanted to share and talk about was the importance of the website then. So you go and spend this money on social media, you drive, you know, um, Traffic. traffic. You drive traffic to your website. Thank you. It's getting the afternoon. We don't <laughs> usually record at this time. So driving traffic to your website, it's all going to well to have the flashy, fancy social media. You're filming great content. You're on TikTok, wherever you are, and they land on your website and it's junk. Mm. So the importance, I guess, talking about, you know, what you do and maybe even, you know, if you've got a client testimonial that you want to share that's done really well of generating leads and landing on the website and how important that is to be able to convert or give some, something give something to do on the website when mm. you get there. Well, this is where multi-channel marketing comes into it, right? So ideally, and again, this is where the 11 or 13 touch points comes into it. Let's say um, someone is scrolling through their Instagram feed and they get hit with an ad and they think, oh, yeah, that's that piece of video is pretty cool. Keep scrolling, whatever. Then they see a Facebook ad and it's a different creative and this is enough to get their attention to be like, all right, fine, I'll give these guys a follow because that dress is really pretty and it's my style. Because you're now following them, you're going to see more posts in, in your feed and then you might click through to the website. The website needs to look 
really good. It needs to have a beautiful user experience and it needs to offer kind of any information that you might need. So obviously for retail versus professional services, that is quite different. Um, But the user experience is what it's all about. How easy is it for me to navigate to different pages to find the information I'm after? And does it look beautiful? Mm. Um, Again, millennials and Gen Zers. We have super high standards when it comes to this stuff because websites should look really, really good now. There's not really an excuse to have a poor website now. Um, Even if you're doing it yourself on Squarespace, for instance, to stick to a minimal design, invest in really great copywriting, and that's kind of all you need to do. Start small, but do it really well. Um, Again, this is where your strategy comes into it. So your key messaging and your tone of voice work, that should be across your website. Um, I would say, you know, tooting my own horn a little bit here, I think investing in a good copywriter is probably, Mm. if you have a small budget, that's probably something to really consider, especially as a startup or a small business, Um, because copywriting is an art and it's Mm. rarely something that um, you can do to the level that it needs to be at to really grab people's attention and hook them in. Whereas creating content is often something that you can do or you can get by doing yourself by using tools like Canva. Um, Writing isn't so transferable, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, if Nick can make social media posts on Canva or video on stuff on Canva, then Mm. yeah, I think anyone can. Stuff. (laughs) Haven't got to social media yet. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff. Once you've landed on someone's website, then usually if they're doing um, either paid ads or they've got someone who really knows what they're doing in digital marketing or in the website space, you've got an active Facebook pixel on your website. And that means that you can start remarketing to this warm lead to convert Mm -hmm. them for the sale. So if you don't have every single facet of your marketing and all of your channels working in cohesion, looking good, same tone of voice, similar key messages and all really value adding, this is where you lose those leads and Mm. this is kind of where we look to when someone comes to say, I've invested all this money in X, why am I not seeing any sales? And it's like, right, well, let's take a step back. Are all of these things working as they should be or have you just tried to do some kind of Band-Aid fix through a thousand bucks on Facebook and Instagram ads where you're leading them to a poor website and you're wondering why you're not converting the sale? This is why. Um, So absolutely, website is incredibly important and something that we will always look at before onboarding a client. And if someone's website is really poor, we simply won't take them on as a client until that problem is fixed. Um, and that's that's why. Um, mm. I'll expand on blogs a little bit as well. So Please. SEO is important because it essentially talks to where you appear on a Google search, right? Mm. You want to be on the first page. Highly competitive industries, pretty much every industry now. Um, so you need to work for it. There's paid SEO service, which is super worthwhile, particularly if you're a little bit more established and you've got a bigger budget. Whether you're doing paid SEO or you're trying to do it yourself organically, you need excellent blog posts. And it's the same vibe as social media. Are my blog posts super value-adding, educational, in my tone of voice, so it's not the same thing they're seeing from every other mortgage broker. They actually take, you know, a more fun or different angle, or they're really talking specifically to me because they know exactly who their target audience is and I fall within that. Um, and then in terms of length, you want to be looking at for SEO, they've, they've just updated this, which everyone will be pained to hear. Um, <laughs> Google is looking for articles of minimum 1800 words, which Honestly, it feels like you're back at uni writing an essay, but our approach is if you can aim for one article that long a month, 
plus an article more like five to 800 words that's super engaging and you've just written it because you know it's the content that your audience wants to see. That's a really good mix. Then you're hitting your engagement and your um, SEO targets. That's why I'm so glad that we pay you, Victoria, to do these super lengthy blogs that would act or copywriting that would mm-hmm. do my head in trying to do. Um, and look, I think um, what's what's great as well is the planning around the content is that we're brainstorming on stuff that is actually useful for people to hear. I think one of our recent longer blogs was around business structuring. And here at The Numbers Game, we know that when we've talked about bucket companies and trusts, it catches a lot of people's attention. But actually making a really long blog that breaks down all those different business structures means that if somebody Googles what's the best business structure for me, one day future advisory is a chance of being the website on the first page to solve that problem. And then what do you know? Somebody wants to form a company or a trust, which usually costs a couple of grand, they might call future advisory or sign up on the website. So I think um, anyone who is in business and is spending money and maybe they're spending money on one area, not the other. So that's a great point you make Mm. that if you won't even take them on to have them waste their money on social media, if there's no way to convert that Mm. client, if they land on the website. And another good point using you as an example, Jace, is that Future Advisory, you guys cover a vast array of services, same with Invate, and you're often answering the same questions for a lot of clients, right? That's super, super time consuming. If you guys already have a blog, which I know you do because I've written many of them, on the topic that is commonly asked about, it means that rather than your team having to respond in detail via an email, they can simply link them the blog and say, we've written about it here. If you still have questions, so happy to answer them for you. However, nine times out of 10, the answer is in the blog and, it's, and it saves time. So good to think of it that, what, that way from an investment point of view too. Yeah, I like it. The one we get a lot is, is it hard to set up a zero file? So I can't wait for the zero file article Mm -hmm. to go live. Go, nope, you can do that. It's Mm -hmm. nice and simple. One other thing that I had, um, which is very topical considering we're all sitting on a podcast right now sharing content and having people consume our content. Uh, Victoria, you had your own successful podcast, Walk the Talk, I believe it was called. Did I get that right? Correct. Awesome. Um, Podcasts for businesses. Marty, I think you've said having your own podcast is like having a radio show for your business. Um, Podcasting for businesses. Any comments there, Victoria, to round out this fantastic episode? I do have a stat for you there. So about 35% of the Australian population listens to podcasts regularly. So I think that answers your question, doesn't it? Mm, Um, Again, same thing I've been drilling into the whole episode. Is it valuable? Do not start sitting in front of a mic and just waffling on about God knows what. You guys, you know, came into podcasting after there was heaps of successful finance and um, accounting based podcasts, but You've got your own spin on it. You've got a great structure to your episodes and you're actively asking your audience all the time what they want to hear. And that's what Mm. makes you guys different to your competitors. So um, I think really put a lot of thought into podcasting before you go into it. I'm sure Mm. your producer, Tommy, will back me up here by saying it's much more complicated than um, people seem to think. Again, it's something that you really should be outsourcing because producing and editing a podcast is not particularly easy. Um, but yeah, having a good think about why you're doing it. Is it in line with my strategy? Are my target audience listening to podcasts and can I offer something different to what's already out there? That's been episode 28 of The Numbers Game. Probably one of my favorite episodes yet, but I think I say that about almost every episode at the moment. Uh, throwing to you, Marty, what was your key takeaway from that episode? 
Uh, I think the key takeaway is we build trust in everyday business with people and we can do the same thing online with video with clients getting to know us and people getting to know us um, and then obviously, yep, they'll bond and, and want to chat more. But I, I really like that comment, Vic. Uh, Nick, what did you take away? Uh, for me, it's the consistency and then to achieve that, you should definitely outsource it. It's just the new way of marketing now and I say the new way, it's not really new but I think for a lot of people that have been in business for a while, they've got a marketing budget. This is what it is now. Mm. And it's just so difficult when you're busy to be consistent. So handball someone so it can be consistent and you're actually getting bang for your buck and value out of the time you spend. Victoria, you want to throw in and then I might round out if I can think of something since Nick took my mm. outsourcing comment. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I would say my number one piece of advice, if you're just going to take away one thing from me today, it is to do a digital marketing strategy and if you can afford it outsource your digital marketing strategy and then implement it yourself it's the best way to find success online awesome for me guys it's about how valuable to your brand it is to have social media and a great website involved in the entire strategy i think the word strategy we've thrown around so much we talk about strategy for financial planning strategy for your business and your accounting and tax minimization and strategy Likely, like it should, it comes into your social media game plan. So strategy all the way. I feel yeah. like I should just do a very quick mention to Venn Agency as well, Jace, because they did Future Advisory's website and, um, yeah, they've been instrumental in the SEO process as well. Awesome. Might as well round it out with Future website. Advisory. Just won the Zero Accounting Partner oh, of the Year. And, um, there we go. Yeah, Happy days. I, knew I had to get that in well there somewhere. Done. So um, pretty, pretty amazing to be a one-year-old business and be recognized in your industry like that. And I do think it has a lot to do with social media and websites. So thank you to Walker and Venn for the work that they've done in the past to help Future Advisory you know, be recognized where it is today. Just quickly before we go, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that we didn't bring up and that, that we're noticing now is the tool, um, it can actually be used as a tool for recruitment as well. So mm -hmm. we've been talking about sales and bringing business oh, yeah. in, but you know, things like you just said with Zero, you put that on social media, people want to come and work for you. And we've noticed mm. that, um, that we're starting to ask people how, you know, what they thought about us when they looked on our website or whatnot, and they know who we are. And I think social media and our website's got a lot to do with that. So a recruitment tool as well. Brilliant stuff. And one last thing I'll say, the digital barbecue play. In the past, <laughs> I lived without digital media and socials. We all went to barbecues. We talked about what we did. We built a tribe. We did sales. And now you get to do that online at multiple barbecues at any one time. And I just think that's brilliant. If you're not embracing socials, you are missing out. Thank you, Vic. Thank you, Jace. Nick, game over.